This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome in, everybody, to the flagship podcast. I am Chip Brown of Horns247.com. Excited to be joined by Jordan Hill of Dogs, D-A-W-G-S247.com. That is the Georgia site on our preeminent 24 Sports Network. And Jordan, welcome in. Hey, hey, yeah, Chip, glad to be on and glad to talk a little football. We're not that removed from the 2022 season, and I know before we know it, we're going to be totally focused on 2023. That's right. That's right. And, of course, Georgia, uh, two-time defending national champion. Uh, But some big news that Texas fans are very excited about, uh, and that is the transfer of uh, Adonai A.D. Mitchell, the six-foot-four, 190-pound receiver who who doesn't have a ton of catches at Georgia but man he's got some touchdown catches in some big games I think all four of the college football playoff games the last two years he's had a touchdown so um your thoughts on A.D. Mitchell yeah I mean I think it's a huge addition for Texas there had kind of been a little bit of smoke about maybe A.D. going into the portal going back to Texas he is a Texas native and uh, he kind of downplayed it for the Peach Bowl, goes out there, has a, a huge catch that winds up being the game-deciding touchdown late in that game against Ohio State, comes back and plays well in the national title game against TCU and decides to go into the portal and, and go to Texas. Uh, you know, I think he was a very productive receiver when he was on the field for Georgia. Uh, he battled an ankle injury this season, and it was kind of a lost season for him. You know, the expectations – Going into 2022 was he was going to be the number one receiver. Uh, He had looked really good in spring, looked the part, uh, got hurt on the first play on offense in the second game of the season against Samford and was very limited after that. He he played uh, four snaps against Auburn in early October. Doesn't really come back again until the SEC title game. And, uh, you know, it was a huge loss and it kind of put other playmakers on Georgia's uh, offense uh, put the pressure on them to step up, and they did. And, and obviously, Georgia was able to go undefeated and win that championship. But AD came up huge, uh, particularly in the playoffs. And that's a huge get for Steve Sarkeesian and company. Uh, I expect him to have a really good 2023. He's a guy that a lot of Georgia fans have a lot of mixed feelings on with him leaving. But there's no denying he, he came up with some huge plays. Mentioned the Peach Bowl uh, touchdown. He had a huge 40-yard touchdown catch against Alabama. 
um, that was big and, and Georgia winning its first national title since 1980. So I think in time, Georgia fans will be able to forgive him. But as far as what Texas is getting, huge addition. I expect him to make big plays while he's in Austin. So this this was a loss for Georgia. This was this this is a hit. Absolutely. And, and you know, I will say that um, with him leaving, you know, now they kind of have a little bit of experience playing without him because they had to for so much of 2022. And it's been kind of a weird situation the past two seasons for Georgia. They were coming in, at least in the spring, with an idea who their number one receiver would be. Uh, in 2021, it was George Pickens, and, and he winds up tearing his ACL in spring. Um, they have to play for the better part without him. And AD was one of the guys who stepped up with George Pickens out. Uh, George comes back late in the year and winds up playing a little bit uh, on that playoff run. Uh, but, yeah, you know, I, I think that he was a guy that was able to make plays when he was on the field. Georgia did really do a good job of taking care of their receiving core in the portal even before, really, we heard these rumors about AD. Um, they went and got Ra Ra Thomas, who I would expect will probably fill uh, the X receiver role for Georgia. He was Mississippi State's leading receiver. And you think about how much Mississippi State threw the ball with Mike Leach. Um, you know, being the leading receiver, that says a lot. Uh, and also got Dominic Lovett, who will probably be a slot guy. Uh, he was at Missouri, and he had a really good game against Georgia in what was the closest Georgia came to losing in the 2022 season. Um, Dominic Lovett had 86 receiving yards and was big and put Missouri in position to try to pull up, pull off that upset win. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you can deny that it is a loss um, with losing a guy like A.D. Mitchell. Um, but Georgia does have some other playmakers, and again, they'll bring back Brock Bowers at tight end. So um, they're not absolutely uh, desperate at this point. They they have good options when it comes to the pass game going into a new year. Now, Jordan, can can Ad Mitchell block like uh, like Pickens? Not quite, because I don't know many people who can. But I do think that he is a pretty good blocker, and that's something that gets sold to these guys when they come to Georgia is that you're going to block, and you think about. Um, the history that Georgia has at, at really um, producing really good run games, really good running backs. If you're a receiver, you have to understand that you're going to be counted on to block. So I won't say he's as good a blocker as George Pickens because I don't know that many receivers that are, but I think he is capable. And it's because if you come to Georgia and if you earn playing time, they have to be able to count on you to block on the outside. What, uh, what kind of teammate is he? What kind of guy was he in the locker room? Um, you know, how would you describe his his attitude? He struck me as a really uh, goofy guy. I mean, a guy that took things seriously, obviously, when it came to the game. But he was always a fun interview. I mean, I think he was kind of laid back. And I, I think he was a guy that his teammates really rooted on, especially this year, that they knew how much it meant to him to try to get back. Um, I think he's a guy that, you know, I'll be interested to see, you know, how quickly he settles in because I think he'll do well there at Texas. Um, but everything I ever heard from his teammates, you know, they were rooting him on. They were excited for him. And I'm sure a lot of those guys, and you even see, you know, when he announced um, former teammates at Georgia, you know, commenting good luck and, and wishing him well. Uh, I think he does have plenty of people around Athens who will be rooting for him. Uh, and, and I think that, uh, you know, in time, uh, hopefully you guys will get a chance to talk to him while he's at Texas. He was a really fun interview and, and just a good young man. What uh, what stands out about his talent, uh, his uh, you know his skill set? 
Well, he's the deep threat, and that was something that Georgia, as good as the offense was in 2022, was they didn't really have a deep threat because he was out for so much of the season. He's a guy that can go downfield and, and create that space, even against really good defensive backs, um, and is capable of making plays. So, you know, not only being a deep threat, but being someone you can count on, on those in those big moments. Again, Georgia had his back against the wall against Ohio State in the Peach Bowl, and he makes a touchdown catch that winds up helping Georgia win that one 42 41. Um, he, he's a really, you know, big guy that in big moments you could turn to and say, look, we're going to throw the ball to A.D. Mitchell and expect him to make a play. More often than not, he did it. And again, I, th- I think that bodes well for what Texas is trying to build. Having a receiver of that caliber uh, on top of what they already have, I think that sets themselves really uh, in a good position going into 2023. Jordan, it's always a good problem to have when you you ask what's the biggest or best game or best moment the guys had, and it's actually a tough decision, right? What would you say? I'd say it'd have to be the 40-yard touchdown catch against Alabama uh, in January 2022 in the national title game just because Georgia had been told for so long that you know it was going to come up short, that it couldn't get it done. And, I mean, there was plenty of, uh, you know, evidence that that was the case they'd come so close particularly when they played Alabama only to come up short and AD comes and and makes a huge catch uh, on a contested pass in the end zone Um, and and, I mean it's it's something that again I I talked about it earlier I know Georgia fans are upset with a guy leaving going somewhere else but that moment is going to be shown around Athens 20, 30 years from now. That I'm sure there are paintings of that catch that AD had. And again, this is the guy that stepped up in so many playoff games for Georgia. You know, if he walked away and didn't play another down of college football, I mean, he he is cemented with the moments he's been a part of. So uh, I think if you're a Texas fan, you should be really excited, understanding that um, he's capable of making some big plays and some crunch time moments. And, you know, I expect he'll be able to do that again once he's playing for the Longhorns. Yeah, I mean, I think people are surprised. They're wondering why he would make this move. It sounds like there is a personal reason for this, uh, getting back, as you you said, in Texas, getting back closer to home. Um, You know, what's what's the thought there? Yeah, based on everything I've heard, I think family is a piece of it. He's got a young daughter. I think that there was a piece of that. And, uh, you know, there has been talk about NIL. I don't know exactly how much that factored into it. But uh, based on everything, you know, we talked to AD right before the Peach Bowl, and, and he seemed like he was really happy at Georgia. didn't really give the appearance that, you know, he was upset with his role or upset about you know being in Athens. But I do think family was a big pull for him, and um, I think that – that combined with what he saw as the potential of, you know, what it meant to play at Texas. Again, going back to his home state, I think it was an opportunity that he didn't want to turn down and ultimately wind up taking. Yeah, how about that? He's got the uh, the 40-yard touchdown catch against Alabama. He's got the game winner uh, against Ohio State uh, that propelled Georgia into that uh, national championship game where they routed uh, TCU. Um, what about the drops, Jordan? I mean, we hear about the catches, but uh, what about the drops? Was that an issue for for AD? Not necessarily this year. I think probably during his freshman year was more of an issue, but it seemed like once he was able to get on the field this season that he was the guy when it was thrown his way, he was going to make the play. The, the only play I can really think of where it was a missed opportunity for him in 2022 was against LSU in the SEC championship game, which was really – 
his first game fully back since week two. And uh, he had a, a play that was probably about a 10 yard, um, would have been a 10 yard touchdown. And he, he just slipped on his route and it winds up being an incomplete pass. But I don't think drops is something you should really be concerned with AD again. Uh, it's kind of just keeping him healthy and, and making sure that he's able to stay on the field. But I think as far as that goes, you know, I wouldn't really concern myself with drops when it comes to AD and what he's bringing to the table. All right, let's take a quick break here on the flagship podcast, talking to Jordan Hill of Dogs247.com about AD Mitchell. We'll also get into um, how Georgia uh, got to where Texas is trying to get to. That is at the top of the heap. We'll uh, we'll talk about it with Jordan Hill coming back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Jordan, I mean, you know, we talked about it. I was at the national championship game in what 2016 um, when, uh, when, uh, or no, 2017, excuse me, when it goes into overtime, you know, to a, uh, to Devontae Smith, um, you know, and then there was sort of a, you know, lull. I mean, Texas beat him in the Sugar Bowl. Um, and then, you know, they're, they're trying to get it going. And now they're the two time defending national champion. What did it take, uh, for Georgia to, to grow into that, uh, team, as you said, that believed it could become the preeminent team in college football? Well, I think the main thing is really obvious and it's just the accumulation of talent. I mean, you look at every recruiting class that Kirby Smart has signed. I mean, they've all parental perennially been in the top five and, and a couple of number one classes along the way. Um, Kirby's had convictions about what he wants the program to look like. Again, he's a former Georgia defensive back. I think he was someone who came in that understood um, a perception that a lot of people had about Georgia was that it was a sleeping giant, given the amount of recruiting you can do in the backyard of Athens, Georgia, given, um, you know, again, being the SEC East, you know, for the longest time, that was the weaker of the two divisions in the SEC. It's changed a little bit in the last year or so, um, but uh, I think that they've done a good job of continuing to stack five stars and four stars. You know, we talk about blue chip ratio and what you got to have, the amount of talent you've got to have. And Georgia's been at the forefront of that under Kirby. I think there's been a lot of growing from Kirby. You know, I, I was a student when uh, he was in his first year back in 2016. And I think that he was put a, he put a little too much of everything on his own plate. And I think he kind of learned, uh, one, how to delegate with his assistants. And he's continued, even when he's lost assistant coaches to other opportunities to hire 
really quality guys and, and guys who understand sort of the standard within Georgia. But two, I think Kirby's done a better job of really growing and understand how to motivate his players, how to um, not just be, you know, a hard-nosed coach that, you know, with tough love and things like that. I mean, you know, he's talked a lot about in the last couple of years, really when Georgia has had the amount of national success they've had going back-to-back with national championships, uh, about really making sure that there's a connection between the players, not only with the coaches, but with each other, um, and having sort of bonding sessions, they call them skull sessions, um, and they talk about you know their why and, and why they do what they do and, and their motivations. Uh, I think that Kirby's grown a lot as a coach, and I think that you know a coach that had the amount of success he had in year two comes up just short of a national championship. You know that could have really haunted some coaches, especially some younger coaches, and trying to get back to that moment and trying to replicate what it took to get there. I think Kirby's done a very good job of being willing to grow, being w- uh, willing to adapt. They talk a lot between uh, members of the coaching staff, how willing Kirby is to to listen to anybody. I mean, to listen to analysts, to listen to whoever's got ideas that they think will move the program forward. You know, I think that's a, a, a attribute that a lot of coaches don't have, especially a lot of veteran coaches. But um, based on everything I've ever heard, it seems like Kirby's the kind of guy that's willing to listen to every member of the program to try to put Georgia in a better position. And and based on the results, I think that's worked. Yeah. I think I read an article by Andy Staples, um, you know, where Nick Saban was worried about Georgia, you know, George school that if they got the right coach and they brought in players, that's, that's the program that could really cause problems for Alabama. Did you see that article? And, and what did you, you know, what do you make of that thought? Um, well, and, and and is Georgia now the team to beat? And Bama has to figure it out. They have to look up and and you know figure out a way to get past the Bulldogs. Yeah, I mean, I think that not only you know I know the article you're referring to that Andy Staples wrote, and I mean it's a common uh, belief. And you know, you look back at what Mark Rick did 15 years at Georgia, and I think a lot of people felt like. Uh, you know, he missed out on opportunities and he did. Um, but there were a couple golden opportunities where if Georgia gets one break here and there, uh, that they might have won a national championship under Mark Rick. 2002, they go 13 and one, have a loss to Florida that uh, was the only blemish on that season. Uh, 2012, they go blow for blow with Alabama. Uh, they're going down to the goal line to take the lead in the last seconds. Ball gets tipped. Uh, Chris Conley, a wide receiver, catches it, falls down. Georgia doesn't have any timeouts. They run out of time. Um, but, I mean, I think people saw with Georgia um, the the fertile uh, nature of high school football in the state of Georgia, the recruiting, um, the appeal for a lot of people, you know, especially with what uh, being not very far from Atlanta entails with trying to bring talent in. Uh, I think that um, there was the thought that Georgia was the team, especially in the SEC, if someone was going to knock off Alabama, that it would probably be Georgia, just given all of the pluses that come with being at Georgia and, and what it sets up you for you to do. I mean, you, you compare, say, the state of Georgia to the state of Alabama, and per capita, I mean, Alabama does have really good in-state recruiting. It's just the population is not as big as a state like a state like Georgia. And I think that Kirby Smart has come in and taken advantage. And yeah, I mean, this to me, 
obviously I cover Georgia, so it's sort of hard to really get a good look at other programs. But to me, this is a fascinating year for the Alabama Crimson Tide. How do they adjust? Does Nick Saban say, well, all right, we got to totally restart things? And, you know, he has made some changes and you've seen some new blood coming in, especially on the coaching staff. Or does he rely on what has worked to this point? I mean, you know, I don't think you can argue that anyone is a better head coach in the history of college football than Nick Saban. I mean, look at his track record and what he's accomplished. Uh, but it is a fascinating sort of turn of events, seeing what a former Alabama assistant has been able to do at Georgia. Uh, but understanding, I mean, Alabama is one good season away, and, and, you know, they were just a couple plays away from being in the playoff hunt um, and just narrowly missed out this past time. So, uh, yeah, I'm really fascinated to see what Alabama could do because you can't really deny after going back-to-back Georgia is at the top of the mountain. But the question going into 2023 is how long can they stay there? Yeah, I mean, Kirby's, you know, had some turnover on his staff. You know, Jim Jim Chaney, um, uh, James Coley, now Todd Munkin. Uh, of course, he had uh, Mel Tucker, Dan Lanning. Now he's got uh, his old buddy, Will Muschamp, as, as co-defensive coordinator. This staff seems like it's, it's uh, you know, it's got the cohesion, the, the kind of... Uh, um, you know, familiarity that could cause problems because you're hearing all kinds of stuff, like you said about Alabama. Uh, does you know, is Saban going to make some more changes? And his staff has been picked apart by, um, you know, job opportunities, including Kirby Smart. Um, and you know, Dan Lanning goes off to Oregon, but uh, you get the sense that this staff, you know, who knows, but um, they're it looks like they're going to be together in, in uh, in 2023 yeah at this point it seems like you know there's not going to be any significant changes they've had some support staffers who've gotten on the fill roles with other jobs um, the biggest question at this point is probably todd munkin who you mentioned uh, he's a guy that a lot of nfl teams are interested in and, and it depends on if he wants to jump um, and go back to the nfl he's got nfl experience with an assistant with the jacksonville jaguars was an offensive coordinator with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Cleveland Browns. We talked to him before the Peach Bowl just generally about you know his happiness at Georgia. Would he want to go back to the NFL? And, uh, I mean, he, he talked about how happy he was at Georgia. Uh, he said uh, that it comes down to winning. I think he his quote was, I would rather be winning in Alaska than losing in San Diego. I mean, he was talking about that at the end of the day, it's all about winning. Um, uh, you know, he was rumored for the Buccaneers offensive coordinator job. That's been a big talk of the last week. I don't necessarily see that happening. Uh, I don't think that's a very appealing job. The, the job that I pointed to that he's not necessarily been linked to is the Los Angeles Chargers, you know, where you've got a young quarterback, where you got so much talent around him. He hasn't been linked there, and, and he's been mentioned in other circles. I think at this point he's probably coming back to Georgia, and given that they're losing, Stetson Bennett will be breaking in a new quarterback. You know, if Todd Munkin does ultimately decide to come back for Georgia, I think that's a huge win for the Bulldogs going into 2023. Well, Stetson Bennett, you led me right to it. I can't get enough of this guy. I mean, the the comeback story, uh, everyone who thought, oh, wow, he had a horseshoe up as you-know-what in winning a national championship with a monster defense uh, in 2021. He comes back. Everyone's like, oh, no, he's going to ruin his, his legacy. He should have gone out on top. And then – my God, he looked like he was posing for prom pictures during that uh, national championship game against TCU 
I mean, he's under center smiling, looked like he knew where the cameras were, Jordan. Um, you know, tell us something about Stetson Bennett that we don't know. I think my that my answer would be that he is a very perceptive player. I think, you know, you see how much thought he puts in when he's done interviews. Uh, I thought the most revealing with Stetson was up in New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I was lucky enough to go up there and, you know, that's not quite as much local media as he's used to. And he's just really introspective. You know, we were asking him about being in this moment and he's the kind of guy that if you ask him something, especially thinking big picture, much less, Hey, what'd you see on this touchdown to this one receiver? He's going to really sit and really chew over the answer. And I think my favorite thing is he'll, he'll start to say something. He goes, no, nah, I can't say that. And uh, he'll kind of work his way through his response. Very thoughtful person. I think that he's someone that really understood his role well and understood, again, this is a guy that grew up a Georgia fan. He grew up in South Georgia and Blackshear, Georgia. Grew up, you know, cheering on the Bulldogs since he was probably two, three, four years old. I mean, that was a dream that came true for him. And after the national championship game, Kirby talked about the days after the na the national championship against Alabama that Stetson came to his office and was like, everybody is saying I should leave, and I don't understand why. He's like, you know, why, why not come back and try to do it again? And, you know, the, the thing that I think got lost with a lot of people was he decides to come back. 2022, the, the offseason leading up to the 2022 season, that's the first time that he was QB1 during spring ball in the summer. I mean, he was the backup every other offseason going into a season and kind of got thrust into starting roles both times in 2021 and also the 2020 season. So, I mean, he was afforded the chance to work with the first-team offense for Todd Munkin to know, okay, I am designing and will be calling plays with number three behind center, um, behind, uh, number 13 behind center, um, you know, I think that that was huge. And I think you saw it with his performances throughout the season. You know, he battled injury at one point, and I think it did affect his play. He had three games where he didn't have a touchdown pass. But, I mean, he was noticeably better in 2022 than he was in 2021. And I think a lot of that is due to the, you know, uh, the enormous amount of reps he got in the offseason, knowing once they walked out there for that Oregon game on September 3rd that they were rolling with sets of Bennett. Yeah, I mean, he he just looks so comfortable. Um, okay, so what do we know about Carson Beck? And uh, do you expect Carson Beck to be the guy taking over? You hate to be the guy following the guy who just won two national championships. But um, uh, you got Brock Vandegrift, Gunnar Stockton. How do you see the quarterback race shaping up? I do think it'll be a three-man race. I do think they're going to open it up, and, and I wouldn't be surprised if it goes into the season. But it's pretty clear that Carson Beck is the number one guy to this point. I mean, it's his job to lose. He was the backup this past season. Got a decent amount of playing time and, and played pretty well as Stetson's backup. Not quite as mobile as Stetson, which I do think that whoever winds up playing in Stetson's place, they're just not going to be able to move quite like Stetson Bennett was able to. But a lot to like with Carson Beck. Got a really big arm. I do think he's got a stronger arm and able to throw downfield a little bit more than Stetson could. Um, but, you know, I, I anticipate it'll be Carson Beck. It could be a situation, especially with Georgia's schedule early in the year, that they're able to kind of get one or two of these guys in the mix and try to let those guys get in-game reps and see how they handle it. 
Um, the biggest thing with Carson, I think, is just going to be for him to handle the growing pains that are coming because whoever of these three guys wins the job, it's going to be their first time starting. And I think that it's not always going to be pretty. You know, it's going to be uh, opportunities for younger guys to have to learn uh, by doing. And uh, I'm sure Georgia fans are going to have trouble with that sometimes, understanding that they're not going to play perfect. Um, but I think, again, with Todd Munkin's guidance and, and with the expectation, they talk so much about the standard at Georgia. Um, these guys understand what was put on the plate of a guy like Stetson Bennett. And I think Stetson set a good example for that whole quarterback room with how he was constantly watching film. And, and, you know, Brock Bowers told us after the championship game that he would wake up and he'd have a text from like 2 a.m. where Stetson had texted him and said, hey, I saw something on film. You know, I want to talk to you when you get up. I, I think that that's great for these younger quarterbacks, understanding that the amount of work that, that guy put in to have that amount of success I think that didn't go unrecognized. And again, I think it'll be Carson Beck, but I do think it'll be a three-man race. And I do think that they've got a really good leader in Setson Bennett to take lessons from and try to apply when they're the quarterback. Yeah, that's uh, that's huge. Um, Texas doesn't really have that veteran guy in its quarterback room uh, for Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning and Malik Murphy to learn from um, with Hudson Card moving on to Purdue. All right, so obviously that's probably, I mean, on paper, that's the biggest question mark for the Georgia Bulldogs going into uh, the 2023 season. Um, any other question marks that need to be answered? Definitely quarterback, like you said, is the biggest one. I would say really other than that, it's more defensive leadership. I mean, they're losing Jalen Carter, they're losing Chris Smith as safety, they're losing Keely Ringo at cornerback, and those guys – are really talented and they've got talented guys behind them. But I mean, Chris Smith was so big as a leader to step up and kind of keep everybody else in line. Jalen Carter was a guy who didn't say very much, but he set an example of how to go about your work and, and to handle things. I think that's the big key for me coming off a year. They're not losing quite as much as far as numbers uh, compared to when they're going into the 2022 season, but they just need veteran guys who are willing to kind of, you know, lean on their teammates. And, and that's something Kirby talked about a ton during the 2022 season. When you have players holding each other accountable, how much of an easier job that makes for the coaching staff. And I think they've got some good guys who are willing to do that. I mean, Jamon Dumas Johnson and smile Munden, their inside linebackers. They were just sophomores this year. Um, I think that those guys are well on their way. They've got other veterans like Zion Logue, Nazir Stackhouse on the defensive line. Got a guy that learned on the fly as a true freshman in Malachi Starks at safety. Uh, they, they've got the talent coming back on defense. To me, the question is who steps up, really keeps everybody accountable and keeps everybody on the same page, understanding that you know the, the offense isn't going to have quite as much firepower, at least early on, breaking in a new quarterback and, and losing some of the skill players they did on offense. Well, Georgia's the team to beat. I asked you uh, for something about Stetson Bennett that we didn't already know. What about something we don't know about A.D. Mitchell? You know, that's tough. I mean, I, I think the biggest thing was sort of what I hit on earlier, that he's, he's just a lovable guy. I mean, when he came up and we talked to him before the season – I'm not sure that he had been made available at all during the 2021 season. He may have once or twice, uh, but just a very laid back guy. I mean, he talked about 
the national championship experience against Alabama and said, you know, that he kind of had that moment where he makes that touchdown catch and he said, you know, it didn't really hit me in the moment. And then, you know, I had people after the game talking about, you know, you just made the biggest catch in Georgia history or, you know, at least in the last 40 years. And he said it was sort of like, you know, I guess I guess I did. <laughs> so, you know, I, I think he's a guy that, um, you know, to the point that he does take, uh, his role and what comes with it seriously. I think that he is someone who really enjoys the moment. And I think that, you know, I'm very hopeful that that continues at Texas for AD, that he kind of keeps that approach and, and has sort of a fun loving experience with what he wants to at the same time accomplish while he's playing for the Longhorns. Well, if Texas and Oklahoma in the big 12 can get it figured out, I think, uh, I think Texas and Oklahoma are going to be in the sec in 2024 and A.D. Mitchell uh, would, you know, possibly still be at Texas, and who knows what the SEC schedule would be. But I guess there's a chance that uh, that A.D. Mitchell uh, could end up facing Georgia before it's all said and done, and that would certainly be a, a interesting twist on things. Um, Jordan, great stuff, man. Uh, anything else that you think is important for for Texas fans to know? Uh, either about A.D. Mitchell or about the uh, the Bulldogs heading into 2023? I think we covered a lot of uh, when it comes to A.D. Mitchell. My biggest thing, and a lot of people I saw online during that national championship game against TCU as that game got out of hand, people started looking at Georgia's schedule and going, oh, my God, they're coming back. And they are because their schedule is very, very manageable going into 2023. UT Martin, Ball State, South Carolina, UAB, that's their first four games. Um, they get Ole Miss out of the SEC West, but it's a very manageable schedule. Again, you're going to be breaking in a new quarterback. I will say for the people who uh, you know have poked at that schedule, Oklahoma was supposed to be on that schedule, and uh, the SEC took them off. And I believe uh, they might have taken – Texas off of somebody's schedule, knowing that they're coming to the conference. Uh, and so Georgia kind of got stuck throwing Ball State on the schedule. But, yeah, it's going to be a situation that um, I, I anticipate Georgia will have a chance to go undefeated again based on its schedule. Um, I think if anyone thought they were going away with Setson Bennett leaving, don't think that's necessarily the case. Um, there will be, I think, some growing pains offensively with a new quarterback. But I think the Bulldogs will be in the mix once again once we get to this fall. Well, it's uh, it's a fascinating story. It's it's for those of us who love college football, uh, it's always great to get a glimpse inside uh, the the mindset, the metal of the team that is on top of the heap. And uh, really appreciate the conversation, Jordan. Um, make sure for all of your your uh, Georgia Bulldogs information, get over to dogs d a w g s two four seven dot com. Uh, and thanks, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Flagship Podcast. For Jordan Hill, I am Chip Brown. Until next time, we'll see you over at Horns247.com. Stay safe and keep the faith. On May 23rd. I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? Okie <laughs> dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount+. Plus.